Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Champions. This is week 31 of virtual service. And I am super excited um, to be here with my favorite pastor. Yay. I'm super excited to be here with my favorite pastor, Pastor Sean Strickland. And so we're, you know, we're excited. We're teaching together again this week. And you know what we want you to do when you come in. We want you to do some, one, we want you to tell us where you're watching from. If you're watching live, hashtag live and tell us where you're watching from. And if you're watching on the replay, then hashtag replay and still tell us where you're watching from. And then we want you guys to do some social media outreach. What does that mean? That means that you have all types of people on your timeline who are just scrolling through and they need an encouraging word. And we ask you to share. Did you know you can share on your Facebook page? You can also share to your story and you can share to any groups you have permission to share to. That's a really important part that you only share to the groups that you have permission to. So we just want to say good morning and welcome and we love you. We're super excited for technology and for social media. Um, you know, if you think about it years ago, if we had been caught 10 years ago, yeah. if we had been in a situation like we are in now, the best we would have had is um, recording and trying to get them to a TV, upload it to pay for television time or a free conference call. But literally, um, we can't see you guys, but you guys can see us and we can see your comments and it makes us feel like we're together. Oh, one more thing. Check in at Fellowship of Champions. Check in. Um, all of those things that we ask you to do, to use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay, to use the hearts, um, to check in, all of those things, they help with the analytics, they help with the algorithms, they help pull us to the top so people can find us different places. And speaking of that, let me give a shout out real quick to everybody who watched the video last week. Last week's video about those uh, benefits of being obedient was our biggest video in terms of the number of people who shared them. Oh, wow. I look at our analytics, and let me tell you why that happens. Because you guys were nice enough to share the video. Now, here's the thing. When you share it, you can just share it to your own page if you want to, because then there's other people who see it, and they share it. We had over 115 individual shares from last week. We had over almost 5,000 people who, who viewed the video. Uh, I think we had over 1,500 different um, reactions and, and comments to the to the video, and that's all because of you, and so we appreciate you. So those of you who are just joining us, remember we ask you to do several things when you come in. We ask you to hit the heart button at least a dozen times, hit the like button at least a dozen times. We ask you to tell us where you are from. We ask you to tell us if you're a first-time visitor. We had about six or seven first-time visitors, people who had never uh, viewed our broadcast before, probably because you shared it and they and they watched it and were blessed by it. So we're asking you again to do that this morning. Hit that share button. Share it to any groups you can share it to, but most of all, share it to your page. There are friends of yours who we don't even know and they don't know us, but what we're going to be teaching about today could absolutely be a blessing to them. So if you share it on your timeline and you make it available for other people to share, I would love if we could have more shares this week than we did last week. Yes. And I think we can do it. Uh, we get 50 people who share it. Uh, that 50 people gets uh, multiplied by a, another 50. And before you know it, we're right there. So shout out to everybody on the FOC page for sharing it last week. We appreciate it. 
we want to get more shares this week because I believe what we're going to talk about today is going to be just as big of a blessing to people as what we talked about last week. I love it. And to your point about how do we know that the shares make a difference? Because we get messages through the week oh, from yeah. people who said, hey, I never heard of you guys. You came up in my timeline and I stopped to watch it. And, you know, and um, and sometimes people are saying, man, we've never heard teaching like this before. And, you know, I was thinking about this years ago when we started ministry. One of the words that we had was that we would be an international ministry. Mm -hmm. right? right. And we did not know that it would be through Facebook and Instagram and um, YouTube, that we would get the opportunity to reach the world, right? And so help us reach the world. We have faithful viewers from the UK. Yep. We have faithful viewers from the Caribbean. We have faithful viewers from Africa, different parts of Africa. And um, and Lan, I got a message this week. Someone uh, on on California gets up at eight o'clock to watch us. Oh, that's cool. We're there eight eight. We're there eight a.m. service because their church is not having. Uh, in-person service and they were like I used to go to 8 a.m. and now their church only does like a 10 o'clock which is 12 hour time so we became their 8 a.m. service and they, no, that's they cool. love it and I saw something in the analytics Norway mm, okay. Norway I was like oh that's really really cool and that's right? a result of people sharing the broadcast it is. right because no one from Norway just knew who we were <laughs> right 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 and we don't have any friends that live in Norway yeah, right. right that we know of. that we know of so we want to give you the announcements for this week um so first of all, you know, on Monday, I do something called Mindset Monday. And what I'm what we're going to teach about today, there's going to be a continuation of that on Mindset um, Monday. Um, and so and then on Tuesday night, we have prayer. Everybody give some hearts and love for prayer. Something yes, supernatural happens. Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, right? Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central. Something supernatural happens when you pray. Yes. We have seen the results of it. We have seen people be healed, families restored, financial breakthroughs. Something supernatural happens when we pray. Yeah. So give hearts, love, put it in the comments. Something supernatural happens when we pray. And I love our prayer team, which is led by Minister Chandra Washington, which we celebrated this week for Minister's mm -hmm. Appreciation Month, um, because she has trained everyone. We pray the word. Amen. We pray the word. Listen, many people think they have to beg God. So you're begging God. I, I, I saw somebody post today and they were talking about how their grand, their grandmother was in heaven convincing God to bless them. You know, you don't, you can't convince God to do what he hasn't agreed to do. I mean, you just, you right. can't, your grandmama ain't strong enough to convince God to do what he never said he would do. But That's do you know what God will do? Keep his word. Absolutely. The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. And many of you, you may not have ever thought about the value of praying the word, which I'm going to insert that gets that to Chandra's, Chandra's workbook that she created, a guided journal for praying the scripture. Yeah. And if someone can drop that link, we'd appreciate it. And we know Chandra is out ministering this morning. But listen, um, this right here, this tool will help you because many people think that because they're passionate or because they're emotional or because they cried or because they yelled or they screamed that that moved God. God is not moved by any of right. that. God is moved by his word. He is moved when we give him back what he said mm -hmm. because God keeps his word. So he we does. do that on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central. And we want to challenge all of our partners, all of our partners. local and virtual, yes. to come yes. to prayer. It's to, right here on this page. It's right here yep. on this page. You can watch it sitting on your couch. 
cooking dinner, listen to it if you're riding in your car. Because I've listened to it riding in my car, taking the kids somewhere before. So. Come to prayer. Mm -hmm. Then on Wednesday night, we have a fresh Bible study led by the amazing Ralph Marlowe. He's our associate pastor here. He does an excellent job yep. of teaching. Many people are telling us how they are growing and that they are becoming more disciplined in their weekly living because of refreshed Bible study, yep. which is at 8 p.m. on this page. 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m.? 8.30 p.m. You're right, 8.30 p.m. on this page and on Ralph's personal page. So if you're his friend, you can watch there. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday morning at 9.30, we have Pastor Kristen Valley, our worship pastor, and Elder um, Nigel Valley, who is the minister of music, and they lead worship for us every Sunday morning, and we're super, super excited about it. And listen, I just want to tell you this. You better learn how to start where you are and use what you have. Mm -hmm. Many times, I think that our response to the pandemic, our response is an indication of what we can do. Yep. It's like you may not have all the tools. You may not have a fancy background. You may not be able to put the words on the screen, but start where you are and use what you have. The Bible says that when we are faithful over little, yep. God makes us ruler over much. Yep. So it's so important that we move to this season in our lives where we're using what we have. We don't complain about what we don't have. Yes, we miss everybody, but it doesn't make sense to be upset every week that we can't gather with everybody. Right, right. So we use what we have. We focus on what we can control. Yeah. And we don't worry about those things we can't control. We give those things to God. Mm -hmm. Now, you were talking about Pastor Ralph and, uh, you know, his Bible study has been great. But I wanted to just make a mention before we move on to some other announcements that Pastor Ralph's book is out. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor Ralph has written a book. Uh, it really is a book for men. And I know a lot of times men don't always like to. To, to read sometimes or to read things that uh, that really could help them improve, right? But he wrote this book in such a way, God bless you, he wrote this book in such a way uh, that it, it's a really easy read. Uh, and if you haven't gotten uh, this book yet, you really should. It's called Good Enough Isn't. It is a guide for being a better husband. Uh, and, and you can order this book. I think they've already put the link uh, in the in the comment section, it's www.ralphmarlow.com. Uh, uh, you can go there. You can order the hard copy and the e-copy, uh, and you can get this book. Listen, a lot of times uh, people don't want to invest in themselves until they find themselves in crisis. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong time to invest. Yes, you want to invest when when things are good. Uh, and so this book is all about communication. It has a lot of different chapters about how to communication in different stages. So I encourage you, uh, if you haven't yet, order good enough isn't. It is a guide to being a great husband. And wives, uh, if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, uh, grab this book for your husband. Uh, he might wonder why you got it for him at first, but I promise you, if he starts to read through it, he'll thank you for it later. So I love that. So today we're talking about um, we're changing gears a little bit, but it's, it's, it's not, really, not really, I mean, because people have been, we, we've kind of been talking, I guess we are changing gears, but, but not a lot because we spent time talking about, we can trust God with our life. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you and I spent some time talking about how to obey God. Right. And, and if, if you're going to obey God, then there are some things that we want to talk about today that exposes people to some areas, maybe of disobedience. Yeah, it's okay. been in their life okay. so that they can get that spirit that we're going to talk about today out of their life. Because the thing we're going to talk about today is not just a state of being. Right. Mm -hmm. Because a state of being means that if I'm in this state, I'm there forever. 
But the reality is, is the thing we're going to talk about how to get rid of today is a spirit. And spirits only have access because we have doors for them to come in and out of. And when we're disobedient in certain areas, we open those doors, right? Right. And so uh, we are changing gears, but I think your idea for what we were going to teach today is goes right in line with what it is that we've kind of been talking about. But I, I think I think you're right spot on. Well, cool. Hey, so we're going to start Instagram. Okay. So, so give, we're going to start you Instagram. Talk, start Instagram. And so I'm going to start giving you guys the introduction, and, and then we're going to pray. Um, so we're going to talk about how to recognize the influence of the spirit of poverty, how to recognize the influence of the spirit of poverty how to recognize the influence of the spirit of poverty. And um, we believe that this is a really important topic because number one, God wants you to be blessed. And when we say blessed, it includes finances. It is not limited to finances. Third John tells us, beloved above all things, I wish you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God wants all of us to prosper. He wants it to start with salvation for us to accept Jesus as our personal savior so we can operate in, in the righteousness and the recreated state that we've been given access to. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can walk in wisdom. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to have good relationships and he wants us to be abundantly blessed in the area of finances. Mm -hmm. Now, the, this, is get, this gets real interesting because um, this is a subject that has created a lot of turmoil in the body of Christ. It has created a lot of turmoil in the body of Christ. So I want to give you a definition of what it means to prosper just from the dictionary that will make your life easy. Okay. Because people have gotten so worked up about the prosperity gospel Many times because you're worked up about something you haven't taken the time to understand. Mm. And just because you're passionate don't mean you're not wrong. Because you can be passionately wrong. I've been passionately I wrong. I have too. I have been passionately wrong. Loud, upset, angry, and wrong. Yep. Tell your neighbor, say you can be passionately wrong. You right? can be passionately wrong. You can wrong. be passionately That'll wrong. That'll be the first thing y'all type in the comments. Say you can today. be passionately wrong. <laughs> you can be passionately the wrong. The definition of prosper means to flourish mm. doesn't it make sense that a god who owns everything would want his people to flourish absolutely if you go back to genesis he tells us why he created us he says i created you in my image mm -hmm. in my likeness and i want you to be fruitful does that sound like flourishing yes, that does i want you to multiply now multiply certainly sounds like flourishing I want you to replenish. Mm -hmm. That means if something's gone, you can put it back, mm -hmm. right? I want you to subdue. Yep. That means you have authority. And dominion. I want you to yep. exercise dominion. Yep. So when God created humanity, he did not create humanity to struggle financially. Amen. He did Say that again. He did he, not. He did not create humanity to struggle financially. Amen. I want you to say this because you're going to have to work through this because as we go through these 11 things today, you're going to get to see where the spirit of in poverty influences you. And if you get mad as we go through these 11 um, revelations to help you break free from the spirit of poverty, here's what we need you to understand. You're not mad at us. You're mad because the spirit of poverty wants to keep you in that state. 
So so you have to fight through this morning, this idea that you want to just cut this off and you don't hear about this and this ain't sitting well with you and all of those other things. And you got to allow your spirit, man, to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because poverty is not about how much money you have. Because right. you can be rich and have a poverty spirit. Mm -hmm. We see it all the time. You can also not have a lot of money and not have a poverty spirit, but you won't stay without a lot of money long. Right. And so it's important to understand that poverty is not a state of being. It is a spirit. And that is the reason we have to deal with the head on. And so I think it's important to understand that anytime we talk about what's our lives, the mm -hmm. Bible tells us in Romans 12 and 2 to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Right. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with a internal. Yes. We have to deal with external. Yes. And then we have to deal with atmosphere. If that's mm -hmm. the spiritual realm. Yep. Right. So. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, yes. right? That's internal work, yep. right? And then the Bible tells us, hey, that, you know, to be aware of where we're around. It says, you know, um, what is a good company? Um, What's that scripture? Bad company corrupts. Good, good, communication, company, good, good communication. Good communication, right? It lets us know that our environment is working on us. But I think that one of the things that we really struggle with is understanding that there is also atmospheric pressure. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. the Bible says that Satan is the god of this, this world. world. He is the God of this world. And I think that this gets people twisted because what people begin to say things like is that, well, God owns, God is in control. Anytime something bad happens, people goes, God is in control. You are not broke because God is in control and God has an interest in you being broke. Mm. You are not broke because of that. Mm -hmm. You are broke because there is an atmosphere of influence of poverty, Right. That thing you surround yourself with and then it operates on the inside of you. I want to pray because you know poverty get real worked up. So we're just going to pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that according to your word, you said that Jesus became poor, that we might become rich. Yes. You said that you had given us the power to create wealth. You said that wealth and riches would be in the house of those who fear the Lord. You said that you have been mindful of us. You would increase us more and more, more us and, and more. our children. Yes. You said that you would teach us how to profit and show us in the way that we should go. You have said that the silver and gold belong to you and that you bless those who obey you. You told us that if we would keep your commandments, it would be well with us and we would be blessed going in and blessed coming out. We would be the head and not the tail. You told us that there was a time of jubilee where there would be increase, overflow and abundance. You yes. told us that there would be a time where our harvest would overtake season to season and there wouldn't be any gaps in provision. You told us that if we brought the tithe into the storehouse, yes. that you would open up the windows of heaven and that you would make a pour out a blessing that we don't have the ability to contain so that we could be a blessing to others and that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake and make our names great. So Lord, we just bring your word back to you mm -hmm. and we take authority over this yes. atmosphere and we declare that the spirit of truth is free to rule and reign. Mm -hmm. We declare that mm -hmm. the spirit of poverty must bow and the mindset of poverty must bow to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Now Father, we pray because you said that anytime that we could see here and understand, mm -hmm. we would be converted yes. and we would be healed. So we declare that today is conversion day. We declare that today our eyes are anointed to see. Yes. We declare that our ears are anointed yes. to hear. We declare that our hearts are yes. anointed to understand. And as a result, conversion is taking place and there will be the result of financial breakthrough in our lives. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Holy now, Spirit. Now you get ready to start. We're going to say it one more time for all the people out there. If you haven't yet, 
share the video, share the video, video. share the video, share to your timeline, share to any groups you belong to. Uh, I think so far we're at, it says we're already at 63 shares. We get everybody who's on here to share one time. We'll beat last week already. God bless y'all. Thank y'all so much. So we're, we're talking about how to recognize the influence of the spirit of poverty. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to say this as a born-again believer. We are not saying you are possessed by a spirit. No. But I think it's important for you to understand, Jesus told them, he said, hey, when a spirit is cast out, mm -hmm. you have to fill the house. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't fill the house, that spirit is going to come back. It's looking for an opening. It's looking for an opening. Yes. And so, um, and it's going to come back seven times mm -hmm. stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, I think a place that it, many of us can see it, if you love sweets, is you, if you've ever gone on a fast and you've broken yes. up with sweets or broken up with sodas, yes. right? And you get to feeling like, I'm never going to go back to that place, right? Yep. You've cleaned your house, yep. right? You've cleaned that addiction to sugar. But if you go back and start drinking that stuff again, eating yep. that stuff again, many times you end up eating more than you were eating yep. before, yep. right? That's a natural example yep. of that. Yep. So... Go, do you want to no, I'm just saying, and the Bible tells us very clearly that we can look at natural examples in the earth and find spiritual examples to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's a natural example, but the same thing is true if we get rid of something out of our life that's detrimental to us spiritually, but we don't fill that space with something that is good for us, then that at some point that same spirit that we, that, that we pushed out is looking to enter back in again. Uh, it's you know I, another natural example uh, this that, that, I, that I use this little uh, a, a little more grotesque is that if, if you ha if you get rodents in your house you know rodents have the ability to flatten their bodies and get in, in small spaces well if you don't fill those spaces mm -hmm. even if you mm -hmm. trap them and get them all out mm -hmm. eventually they're gonna they're gonna find a way to get back in and that's how that's how demonic and evil spirits are they look for any opening to find their way to get back in and we want to clean that we want to cleanse the house right. Now, we're not telling you guys this for you to be scared of the devil. No. The devil is a defeated foe. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have nothing to fear unless you're trying to operate in self, right? Because right. with God, we always win. That's right. What we are telling you is you can't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Yes. And one of the biggest challenges that we see in the body of Christ, one of the hardest lessons that we had to learn is that in the kingdom, God has a way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And when we don't do things that way, that's why over and over again, he says, obey me, obey me, obey me. Listen to my voice. Obey me. Why? Because when we're obeying him, mm -hmm. we are sidestepping the strategies and the plots and the plans of the enemy. So I want to give you this little, um, just kind of little context about where we're going. And then Pastor Edwin is going to start walking us through, right? So the spirit of poverty, let's define it. It is a demonic force that seeks to rob God's children of provision and abundance. Mm -hmm. The spirit of poverty, it is a demonic force that seeks to rob God's children of provision and abundance. Are you God's child? Then the spirit of poverty wants to work in your life. So in the same, what I hear you saying is the same way Jesus came to set the captives free, this spirit of poverty comes to keep those same children who are supposed to be free in bondage. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The spirit of poverty gets its power through deception. Mm. It gets its power. What feeds poverty is deception. Mm. What does that mean? It convinces God's people that poverty is either holy, it is religious, or it is normal. Because you may mm -hmm. think, you may mm -hmm. be thinking, mm -hmm. I don't think it's holy, but do you think it's normal? 
And if you look around in your atmosphere, many people from looking around in their atmosphere, they think poverty is normal. What does poverty simply mean? It means not having enough resources. And you said that poverty comes through deception. So even though I'm reading and quoting scripture, it says, Beloved above all things, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I'm hearing that, but I'm identifying lack and poverty as normal. I'm identifying so I'm being deceived yes. into believing what I see as opposed to what the word says. Yes. That's what I heard you say. Yes. And so what you can see, you know, just kind of as a little where there are people, it's not one of the ones, but it's a way you can identify. You can see that there are people, they're always wishing for something. Mm. I, I, I wish we could live in a house like this. Mm. I wish we could take mm. a vacation like that, right? And, it, and, and but, but because you don't see those things as normal, you feed into the deception. And the Bible tells us that the tradition of men they make the word of God of no effect. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. does that mean? It means that God's word has the power to change your yes. life. But if you reject it, it cannot change your life. That's mm. just what it means, mm. which is why I hate when people say, if it's God's will, it's going to be. Why? Because we have a very clear example. Does the Bible say that God wants everybody saved? It does. It says, it does. above all things, he would that no man would, would, would perish. Right. Do we know some perishing folk? There's some perishing folk right now. We know some people who have rejected the Lord Jesus yes, Christ, right? Absolutely. That is not the will of God. And one of the things that we have to be careful about is this tendency that because something is normal and common around us, that it represents the kingdom of God. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's kingdom. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's Somebody human. ought to type that in the comment section. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's kingdom. Yes. Amen. And so that's why the Bible tells us in Romans, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Why? Because you've been living in the world your whole life. And when you come into the kingdom, you need to learn a different way to mm -hmm. live. Mm -hmm. And you can love Jesus and be poor. Yes. Just like you can love Jesus and be sick. Just like you can love Jesus and never have a productive relationship. That's why the prosperity that God is talking about is total life prosperity. Total life prosperity. You don't have to pick and choose. Amen. You can have everything that God says belongs to Amen. you. I want you to say that. Say, I will have everything that God says belongs to me. I. Edwin Strickland I will have everything, everything that God says belongs to me. Yeah. Amen. And it's even a poverty mindset that convinces us that we can't have a good job mm. and a good marriage. Yeah. Right. You got to settle. Somewhere. You got to settle somewhere. It's that deception that you talked about. It's that about. deception. That's what, that's what the spirit of poverty gains its power through deception. Through deception. Mm. So the one of the ways that you're going to know that you've been deceived is how angry, salty, upset, frustrated you get as we go through these, Ooh, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to know God doesn't want us to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And so we've got these 11 things that we're going to talk about. And I'm just going to be up front. Some of them go cut. Yeah. Some of them are going to cut. And even though we are working on this, we can see some of these things. We can see some of these things have operated in our lives. We can see how some of these things try to show up in our lives. So we're just taking the journey together because even if you get increased, but you're still tied to the spirit of poverty, it, it will find a way to kill, steal, and destroy what God has given you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. So you up first. You got the first one. So as we start to talk about these 11, and I like the way we, we, we defined it. We said it's 11 signs, mm -hmm. right? Because if you can recognize the signs of something, then you can identify what you need to do 
to to reverse the yes. effects of, yes. that, of that thing that's happening in your life. And so there's a scripture that we, we start with is, is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. And while that particular scripture is talking about uh, forgiveness, we can pull out of that the principle that if we operate in the things of God, then those things keep the enemy from taking advantage of us. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they may put that, that description on the screen. I won't read the whole thing, but it's about forgiveness. It's about whether so, whether you forgive someone and then God forgiving you. Well, when you operate, it, it, th that scripture is talking about so that if, if let's say something. Just have, go ahead and read it. I, I'll read it. It's, it says, if you forgive anyone anything, it says, I too forgive that one. And what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of and with the approval of Christ. Why? To keep Satan from taking an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. In other words, he says, the reason it's necessary for you to forgive is so that you too can be forgiven. Because once you are forgiven, the enemy can't use that thing over you. He can't take advantage of you. He says, and I'm telling you this so you don't become ignorant of Satan's schemes. What we're teaching today is not to get something from the people. We're not trying to, to get an offering from you or to get a seed from you. We're like the Apostle Paul. We would that you would abound in every great gift, right? So what we're teaching today, these 11 signs, is because we've seen them in our lives at some point, and we've had to deal with them. And because we dealt with them effectively, we now understand how they work and we know how much better our life is now that we got those things out of our life. I love that. It says to recognize the scheme. The scheme. A scheme is a play. It's a play. It's a, a scheme is a play. Uh -huh. It's a play that's yep. run. He so every instruction that God has given us, it is to keep the enemy from getting an advantage over us because the God can see all of the enemy scheme. It may look like third and long, <laughs> but God already knows the plate is going to get you the first down. That's right. That's it may good. look like third and long. It may look like you ain't got a chance. It may look like you're going to have to punt, but God already knows the next play to get you where you need to go because the Bible says it like this. He made the person who's trying to scheme against you. Yes, yes, he, yes. He, he doesn't just know the play. He know the person who thought of the play that's coming against you. Now, I just got to say this. Now, I know this your favorite team, but it's not my favorite team, <laughs> okay. right? Well, here's a good example of this, right? For the past couple of weeks, yep. Coach Nick Saban, yep. coach of Alabama. Yep, roll tide. No, <laughs> go Pete, go Suey, go Hogs, all Razorback stuff, yes. So... He has played against coaches that he trained. Yeah, 22 of them now. 22 of them. But the last two weeks, he's played yeah, against those yeah, coaches, yeah, right? Yep. And it looks, it has looked like in both of those games that those coaches were going to get an advantage over him. Mm -hmm. Except he taught them what they knew. He knew everything they know, but they didn't know everything he knew. That's exactly right. That's what God does. Now, what people don't understand is that when the enemy thought he could be God, mm -hmm. it's because he thought he knew everything God knew. Mm -hmm. 
And so he tried to raise up against God. Mm -hmm. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to run schemes on us that would work against mm -hmm. us if we didn't have God running mm -hmm. the place. Mm -hmm. But God knows everything the enemy knows and everything that God knows. And we don't know none of it. Praise so God. it's so important that we obey God. So I see what you mean. This does yeah, tie back yeah. to obey. It ties but, back. All right. So go ahead. So we're going to get started this morning. We want to talk about these 11 signs that you are being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Listen to that. Influence by the spirit of poverty. That means you're being nudged down this road that would if you that if you don't make a, a turn from, it'll eventually lead to poverty. You're being influenced by the spirit of poverty. There, there could be more, uh, but these are the ones that we've discovered and that we're going to talk about today. Right. Number one, a sign that you are being influenced by the spirit of poverty is a refusal to consistently tithe and give offerings amen we, i want to put that out there number one i want to put that out there first of all i want to throw it out there so that any uh demonic spirits who gonna get mad you might as well get mad on number one we don't want to wait make you wait to number 10 number one is a refusal to consistently tithe and give offerings now understand this there always seems to be a legitimate reason why you need to tithe some other time yep there's always a reason why you can't tie this week. There's always a reason why you can't do it this month. There's always a reason why you can't do it this year. The enemy is always going to allow that spirit of poverty to influence you of why you shouldn't tithe because he knows the power of the tithe. And so you have to understand that if you're being influenced to, 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 to not consistently tithe and give offerings, that is a sign that you're being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Because the deception of that spirit says to you, it don't take all that. Because the enemy uses that particular strategy because he knows the word of God and he knows that the tithe ties the hands of the enemy. Yes. He doesn't want his hands to be tied where your, your where your finances yes. are concerned. But, but the tithe goes beyond finances mm -hmm. because the tithe does so much more. When we actually read about the tithe in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, one of the things it reveals, it reveals some powerful insights about the tithe. And one of the things it says, it says, God will open up the windows of heaven and he will pour you out a blessing that cannot be contained. Now, we know that that doesn't mean that heaven's going to open up and rain down cars and houses and money. That's not that what would he's be saying. Dangerous. That would be dangerous for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. What it does mean, though, it means that the tithe has the ability to release opportunities for abundance to find you. Yes. Not for you to chase abundance, but for opportunities of abundance to find you. God throws open the windows of heaven. The kingdom of heaven then releases opportunities that if you listen, that's why I say it goes back to being obedient, they will lead you to abundance. Wait, before you do that, because I think that this is important. This is such a powerful principle mm -hmm. that you will find people who do not know Jesus who believe in the time. Yep. Some of the richest people in the world will tell you they believe in the principle of 10%. The, the, the lady I worked with, we tell this story. I was working with a lady. Uh, she was an Orthodox Jewish, Jewish lady. Um, I don't know if it's appropriate to say Jew. I mean, she was an Orthodox Jew. She was a Jewish lady. Uh, anyway, uh, we were talking one day and she knew I was a preacher and we was having this conversation about tithing and some other things. And she says, uh, and she says, yeah, she said, I haven't been to synagogue is what she called. She said, I haven't been to synagogue in years. She said, but I tithe every month. 
And I said, really? I said, well, why, why do you tithe if you don't go? She says, oh, she says, I tithe because I want the blessing to be on my life. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, well, it's a natural principle. And here's what she said, that everybody knows that if you give 10 percent to the house of to the house of God, then God's going to bless you. She says, and while I don't go to synagogue, I want the blessing. And I thought, here this woman is who don't go to synagogue. I Ain't been a year. And I don't even know if she necessarily believes in Jesus as we do since she was an Orthodox Jew. You know, she believes he's a man, but I don't know if she believes that he's the savior of the world. Yeah. But she believes in this principle that if I take what I have and offer some to God, he'll bless me with more than what I had if I kept the whole thing. That is a powerful principle. And the reason the enemy fights against people from being consistent with their tithing and their giving is because he understands it ties their hands. Mm -hmm. The second thing he says in Malachi 3, 10 and 11, it says, God rebukes the devourer for our sakes. He stops the devourer from stealing, destroying the fruit of our land. Mm -hmm. This is not just limited to natural farmers, right? This refers to whatever land God has called you to. Yes. God has called you to a land of helping uh, women become entrepreneurs, become six and seven figure entrepreneurs, right? As a tither, God is obligated. Well, he doesn't really have to obligate. He's already set it in motion, right? Yes. He's so, so but, but, but because he's God, the system obligates itself to assist you in that land because you're a tither. So if it can do it for you as an entrepreneur, it can do you for you as a teacher, as a lawyer, it can do it for you, watch this, as a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. He can empower you in whatever land you are in. Amen? Yes. Whatever land you are in. And then the third thing he says, it says that God blesses you in the open to the degree that others begin to call you blessed and pleasing. Now, why would God want to bless you in the open? Because God wants to give you the opportunity to testify about the power of the tithe. He wants you to get he wants to give you the opportunity to testify to others about the power of your giving. Why? Because if other people can see your life, remember we said in order to be in faith, there's some things you need. And one of those things is a revelation, mm -hmm. and the other one is a role, a model. role model. You need a revelation and a role model. Well, if I get a revelation that the tithe is is beneficial to me, and then I can see it working in your life, I'm much more apt to do it. And God doesn't doesn't care that I had to see you do it first before I did it. What he cares about is that we participate in it so that we back the enemy up off of our lives. We tie his hands. We tie his hands. We tie his hands. And then this last thing I'm going to say about this point is in Luke chapter 16, verse 12. One of my favorite scriptures. In Luke chapter 16, verse 12, it's, it's talking about uh, how you handle the tithe. It really is. It's talking about how you handle the tithe. And one of the things it says in Luke 16 and 12 because we understand that that 10%, that tithe, it doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to us. The Bible asks in Malachi, it says, will a man rob God? He says, how have you robbed me? He says, you robbed me wherein? You've taken the tithe, right? So the tithe belongs to God. In fact, go ahead. Even if you angry right now, type this in the comments section. Even if you big Even mad. if you big, big mad. And you can't get to us right now, but you think you would want to. You Go wouldn't. ahead and type. <laughs> right, you, I said, wouldn't. you wouldn't. But if you think you would want to, type this in the comment section. Say, the tithe belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. As you're typing that, here's what I want you to understand. Luke 16 and 12 says it like this. It says, if you have not been faithful in that which belongs to another man, 
So in other words, if you haven't been faithful over the tithe that doesn't belong to you, he says, if you haven't been faithful in that which belongs to another man, who is going to give you something you can call your own? Who's going to give you asking God for blessings? You asking God for this, for that, for new jobs, for new houses, new cars, scholarships. You asking God for all of these things that he don't have a problem with us asking him for. Right. But he says, if you can't be faithful over that which belongs to someone else, how do you ever expect me or anyone else to give you something you can call your own? No, that's so good. Um, I, it's interesting because I really want to I'm, I'm going to go to point two, but I want to stay with this time for a second. Right. One of the things he says, he says, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, there will be meat in my house. There will be meat in my house. What's interesting is there are so many demands on the church to be able to meet needs. And then there are so many. Is the video? Oh, okay. okay. And, and then there are so many. There are needs, but they're not resources. Mm -hmm. And so then what will happen is that people will say, hey, you know what? I asked the church to help me with this and they couldn't help me. But then some of those same people will be people that when they had the opportunity to tithe, they wouldn't because it doesn't right. take all of that. Right. So the church is supposed to be a resource, provide scholarships, feed the hungry, get the homeless off the streets, have educational programs, provide counseling, all of this stuff. But God set up a system for that provision. Yes. He says, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, yes. there will be meat in my house. And here's the, really what he's saying. And if you will put meat in my house, I will put meat in your house. And the way I put meat in your house will supersede the amount you put meat in my Absolutely. house. We used to sing a song all the time. You can't beat God's giving. No matter what, how you try, how hard you try. <laughs> you and so, and then one of my most powerful tie stories isn't about money. Come on. It is not about Come money. On. When I was pregnant with Chase, um, Chase had gotten into duress because the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. Yep. They had kicked Edwin and Muddier. They had kicked everybody out the room and I was just in there with the nurses and they had given me some drugs yep. and I wasn't really conscious. I wasn't fully aware. And out of all of the scriptures the Lord can give me, this is what he said to say yep. to him. He said, tell me you are a tither and tell me to rebuke the devourer from your fruit. Out of every scripture. Now, that's important for people to hear. You are in the hospital. In labor. With your, with, your first, with your first child that you're giving birth to. And the thing God tells you when your child is in distress. I mean, we knew. I mean, they, 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 got the, they had stuck the probes into his little head because they was trying to, to, to resuscitate whatever they was trying to do we, we were about to lose that child and the thing God tells you is what he tells me he says remind me remind you are me. a tiger call me into remembrance so I can rebuke the devourer for your sake My out of God. all the scriptures I could have said by his stripes we are healed Everything. all of those different things he Everything. says tell me you're a tither Everything. and I said God you know we're tithers and I need you to get my baby and instantaneously his heart began to beat yes. and they said we turned it around I mean instantaneously and he was born and he's here and he's 20 now yep. and so that's how I know the tithe isn't about money the tithe is a divine protector the it's a divine flourisher but it's also a divine protector yeah. and one of the scripture we use the tithe as a covenant over protection for our children so that's what he means when he says he won't let your your vine cast his fruit before it's time because people just think business right right but that that was that 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 scripture that promise your participation in it 
save the life of our son. And if you understand anything about Ooh, that powerful. time, then you understand that being fruitful of the womb was considered oh, a blessing. Absolutely. So you understand that when they were bringing their tithe, it was not just for monetary increase mm -mm. and more crops. That's right. It literally, when, when, when women were barren, they would want to know, do your family yes, tithe? Yeah. Because it was like, you're supposed to be able to produce. Yeah. We are supposed to be able to produce. That's my favorite story yeah, about the tithe. Yeah, yeah. It is not that we got some money. It is that I am laying Hooked up to all these monitors, he says, Sean, remind me that you're a tither I'll, and tell me to rebuke the devourer for your sake. I love that. Glory to God. And if I was, if I could speak Spanish, I'd say glory adios. Glory adios. <laughs> glory adios. And so, so, so that's number one, number refusal one. to consistently tithe and give offerings. That is a sign. If you're struggling with that, that you may be being influenced by the spirit of poverty. And let me go ahead and get this raggedy spirit, get it, deal with this raggedy spirit right here. The tithe is not yours to decide what you, where you're going to give it. Belongs it belongs to God. They already the tithe belongs to, to the house of God. Yep. It doesn't belong to Habitat for Humanity. It doesn't belong to your favorite organization for breast cancer research. He's very clear about where the tithe goes. The offering can go those yep. other places. Yep. But number two. Number two. So number one is a refusal to consistently tithe and give offerings. Number two, you can tell that you are being influenced by the spirit of poverty is chronic lack. Mm. Chronic is designed as persisting for a long time. Now, the truth of it is, is that any of us might have situations where we um, are struggling financially, where we end up in a situation where there is something going on. But if you have chronic lack, no matter how many promotions you get, it's not enough. You get married. It's not enough. You went out and got the best job of your life and oh you God. still struggling. struggling. You still don't. You're still paying bills late. You're still having insufficient returns. Things are checks are being bounced and different stuff like that. You are being influenced by the spirit of poverty because I need you to hear this. You can be a nice person and still be being influenced. Oh, come on. Come on. You can be a nice yes. person yes. because a lot of people don't. And you don't have to be mad and angry to be being influenced by the spirit of poverty. That's right. And you don't have to be saying, I want to be broke every day in my life to be influenced by the spirit of poverty. It is just a pressure that is over you that no matter how much money you make, you can't break through. My God. And if you are feeling like I'm under this chronic lack and you're not a tither, you need to start there. That's what you need there. to fix. Yes. So chronic design is persisting for a long time. Long-term financial struggle is a direct contradiction to what God promises in his Can word. Can you say that again? Long-term financial struggle is a direct contradiction to what God promises in his so word. We all may go through some financial challenges in our life, but it is not the will of God for his children to live in long term uh, financial struggle. It is not the will of God for lack to be normal. Amen. It is not the will of God for lack to be normal. Can, can, can y'all write that in the comment section? Somebody says, why does he always have us doing that? Because when you type it, it gets in your ear gate, and your eye gate. So say that again. Long term, term lack is, is not, not the will of God. It's, it's not normal. normal. I'm yeah. sorry. It's not normal. It's not normal. Long term lack. It is not long term. Y'all ought to share this, normal. man. Listen here. Listen, y'all listen, doing pretty good. We're up to 82 shares. So everybody who haven't shared it, go ahead and share it. I bet we can knock out 100 before we ever get to point five. Psalms 112 verses 1 through 3. It says, praise the Lord. This is from the Amplified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by man is the, it, favored by God is the man who fears the Lord with awe-inspired reverence and worships him with obedience. That's mm. why I like that translation. Mm -hmm. He said he ain't talking about singing. Right. He talking about worshiping him with obedience. 
who um who delights greatly in his commandments his descendants will be mighty on the earth the generation of the upright will be blessed wealth and riches mm -hmm. are in his mm -hmm. house and his righteousness endures forever so what i'm saying to you is this your grandmother may not have had wealth and riches in her house. Mm -hmm. Your mother may not have had wealth and riches in their house. You may not have wealth and riches in your house, but I need you to understand that wealth and riches in your house, it is the will of God for those who obey God and fear mm -hmm. him and operate in obe mm -hmm. obedience. That mm -hmm. is the will of God. So if you're doing those things and you're not seeing breakthrough, you're being influenced mm -hmm. by something. Mm -hmm. There is an atmosphere over you, right? And, and so it's so important for us to understand that so pay attention to chronic lack mm. and you have to begin to say out of your mouth this is not normal this is not my forever this is not what god wants for me and you have to bring yourself into obedience amen. in the instructions he's giving you amen all right amen. number three number three so with number three here's another sign that you may be being influenced by the spirit of poverty it is that you become critical or you are critical of those who have wealth in other words, you see people who are wealthy and without even knowing them, you become critical of the fact that they have money. I hear people say all the time, you know, uh, Bill Gates shouldn't have that much money. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg shouldn't have that much money. Jeff Bezos, it's, it's absurd that he has that much money. And, and before you actually know what they do with their money at all, you become very critical mm -hmm. of them because they have wealth. The spirit of poverty will lead you to critique people you perceive to be wealthy. You will find yourself judging them in, in, in various areas. You will find yourself judging them to see whether they deserve to be wealthy. Um, you know, why, why does they have, like people talk about athletes. You know, why we pay athletes millions of dollars a year? That don't make sense. And we don't pay teachers, but so-and-so. Well, I'm not necessarily saying it makes sense. What I am saying is I'm not jealous of an athlete because they get what they get in the marketplace. You know, if LeBron James can garner $50 million a year, I'm happy for LeBron because LeBron's $50 million is not impacting me and what I can get. It's enough for everybody. I need you to type that in the comment section. Say there's enough wealth for everybody. There is enough Because for people start to critique people who are wealthy because they see it in, in their, in, even if they don't realize it, they see it as somehow diminishing their opportunity to be wealthy. Mm -hmm. They see it as somehow if, if, if there are 10 billionaires, then somehow I can't get to that point in my life. But the reality of it is you can have, and you said this earlier, you can have everything God has ordained for you. Yes. And that's, and that's what you need to be happy about. So you become, you start to get critical about whether they deserve to be wealthy. You start making judgments about why, uh, about what they should do with their money. Uh, you know, that was Judas's problem. Judas's problem was, 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 was the fact that they should be doing more for the poor. Uh, they should be, you know, and people will say things like they got all that money. Why don't they spend all that money and, and buy everybody a house? Well, OK, you got whatever money you got. Why don't you buy somebody some gas? Well, no, no, I, I say it again. Well, I'm going to say it again. You talk, you, you, you're the, the spirit of poverty will make you critical of other people's wealth. And you will start to talk about what they should do with their money and all the things they should do. But yet you're not doing what you could do with your money because you got more than somebody. Yes. You have more than somebody. Yes. So why don't th this standard that you want and, and you know, 
Um, we have kids, some of our kids get upset when they talk about when they'll say what someone should do with their money. And I say, if you care that much, go make the money and do it. And do it. If you care that if much, you care. there are things we care about. Yes. So, so for example, the scholarship fund. Yes. We care about the scholarship yes. fund. Before we ever ask anybody to give a dime, we put our own dimes our in. Our own dimes. We put our own dimes That's in right. before we ever ask anyone right. else to give. And so you have to be careful about making judgments of what someone else should do with their money particularly. Well, I, you know, I just wish somebody rich would pay off my hospital bills. Well, get rich and pay them off. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that, too, because that's another thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to finish this up. This, 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 this other thing that people are critical of, they, they think that when people discuss their wealth, that they're bragging. But 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 that's not always the case. When someone says, hey, listen, I, I, I used to live paycheck to paycheck. I, I heard what I heard the word of God. I became a consistent tither. When I became a consistent tither, I began to make right confessions that lack wasn't my life. God gave me instruction to invest in real estate, to invest in the market, to get a new job, to go back to school. Whatever God told me to do, I found myself being obedient. And now I don't live paycheck to paycheck. Come on, come now on. Now I don't even balance my checkbook. I look once or twice a month, maybe, just to make sure that my account's going up. And when people start saying things like that, people assume that they're bragging. But they're not bragging. They're telling you what you, too, can look forward to if you do things the way God said. Well, I mean, but think about it. We're okay with people testifying about being healed, healed, mm. but not about their finances being healed. Come on. That's how you know the, the spirit of poverty is at work. You're aggravated. You would love for somebody to say, my body was racked with cancer, and now I've come back, and they say the cancer is in remission. It's been in remission for 10 years. Nobody would go, oh, she's bragging. But if you say, we used to live paycheck to paycheck, we don't know how we were going to make it. We were always having to have a money miracle, and now we have enough to pay our mortgage for six months. Well, now they just showing out. That is the spirit of poverty operating in your life. So you got to stop being critical of people. You can't be, you can't desire what you're critical of you cannot it will not come to you right, right. it will not come to right, you right? right so number four is you repeatedly give away your work or you undercharge now i want oh, you say to, that again you repeatedly give, give away, away your, your work, work or, or you undercharge, you undercharge. right okay. so what can this look like in the workplace what this can look like in the workplace is that you work a job and you have done the market research and you know that based on your experience, because I got to parenthetically insert this, that many of you, you want more money just because you because Jesus love you and your mama love you. That's oh. not why you get more money in the marketplace. Mm. So but, you know, for example, that a certain position it, it, the, the, that the salary for somebody in with your experience should be seventy five thousand mm -hmm. dollars and you only make fifty two mm -hmm. and you refuse to negotiate to try to get a raise. You refuse to leave that company to get a raise. So it's not just in the marketplace. Like, for example, Kenosha does cookies. It's mm -hmm. not just if somebody like Kenosha is undercharging for her cookies, right? And she's trying to price with somebody like Walmart. And we know that she's not delivering that kind of volume, right? right? right. It can show up in the marketplace that you literally are afraid to negotiate. You know you're un being underpaid and you're doing it consistently. Not just you're in this season and I got this job for a year, but I've now been here five years and I know that three people on my road that I trained and I have more experience than mm. they make more than me, but I'm scared to go get a job. Mm. The spirit of poverty influences you. It says things like you should be thankful that you got a job. A lot of people don't have mm. a job. Um, you know, they gave you a job when, when mm. nobody else give you 
a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? It, you make more than your mama make. Well, houses cost more than when your mama was getting the house. So it's very important that we don't um, operate from this place um, of believing that is that God needs us to undercharge, right? Mm-hmm. So I, or do you want me to keep going? I see you're looking you can, at something. Uh, well, someone asked a question. I, I think it's an important question. We, okay. we don't always do this in the middle of our broadcast, but I'll do it right now. The question was about, it's, it's a good question. It says, how does the idea of the spirit of poverty uh, align with the church's responsibility to advocate for people experiencing long-term poverty without criminalizing them? How do these thoughts align with what Jesus has spoken about people experiencing, uh, let's see, poverty and how the kingdom of God belongs to them? Uh, I'm happy. I'm glad you asked that question. I think it's a great question. And here's how it aligns. People assume that the church's responsibility is to take care of everyone who comes with a need. Um, And the reality of it is the church's responsibility is to do the same thing that individuals are responsible for doing. That is to hear what God says. As a pastor of Fellowship of Champions Church, all of the resources that come into the church, they don't belong to me. They belong to God. That's right. We have a, a system of benevolence. And the only way that people get benevolence is that people give. If people never give, there can be no benevolence. The church doesn't print money. The church is not the U.S. Mint. It doesn't uh, just print money when people need things. So as a church, we're called to assist and to help people. What we're not called to do is to allow people to stay at the same level and never change. So if you come to Fellowship of Champions and you need help with your rent, we're going to help you. We're also going to find out about how you manage your money. We're also going to find out about your mindset. We're also going to offer you tools and resources to help you. And while we are doing that, we may, consi- we may consistently help you for a while. But you do not get to continue to do what you want to do and not follow the things of the kingdom and then expect the kingdom to bail you out. It's just not how it works. People have said for years, you know, uh, well, I don't do church. I don't fool with church and blah, blah, blah. But then when they need something, they come to the church. Yes, the church's job is to be there to assist and to help. But if you notice the people who rejected Jesus, Jesus didn't follow them around. He kept going about the father's business. Our job is to be about the father's business. When people come and they say, hey, I need help with my rent. I need help with my car. I need help uh, with food. We're going to do whatever we can do to assist them. But we do people a disservice if we do not require them to do the same thing we had to do to live at the level that we live at. We do them a disservice. So we tell people you need to come to, to a bot. And, and here's the thing. I think it's, I think it's egregious oh, for people uh, to, to think that it is okay to come and to ask for assistance, but not want the, the help that comes with that assistance. Mm-hmm. You know, you see what I'm saying? You want my resources financially, but you don't want my resources spiritually. You don't get to pick and choose. So if you want my assistance, you can get it. And I don't have to criminalize you for it. I simply say, hey, let me help you so that so that I'm not just giving you a fish. I'm teaching you how to fish. So that's how I answer that question. I want to answer it, too. Sure. So I want to go to Luke 4 and 18 because it tells us what Jesus came to do and what he said should be done for the poor. 
Okay. Now, when she talks about the, her question is really good, but when it she talks about the, the, when he doesn't say the poor will inherit the kingdom, no. he says the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. That speaks about humility. Mm -hmm. That does not speak about financial That's poverty. Right. What right. he says about the poor is he says the poor will always be among you. Mm -hmm. He did not say you had to be the poor. Right. Right. But when Jesus. And, and let's talk about that. Why will the poor always be among you? Because, because people, there are people who will not listen to the instruction that would get them out of poverty. That. That's it. That Jesus knew. He said the poor will be with you always. He didn't say you always have to be the poor. He didn't. He he, he made no condition on who was who was going to be the poor. He just said it's going to be some poor with you always. Why? Because he knew there are going to be some people who choose not to listen. People will hear this message and go, "Oh, I don't like this." Well, you don't have to like it in order for it to be true. I don't like the fact that it gets darker in the fall than it does in the summer. I don't like it, but it's going to happen because that's how the system is set up. So in Luke 4 and 18, when Jesus first reads the scroll and he teaches for the first time, he says in verse 18, Luke 4, verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to mm -hmm. the poor. Yes. He has anointed me to teach the poor that because the kingdom of God has invaded the earth, they are not obligated to live under the man-made boundary of poverty. Now listen, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I want, I'm going to read the whole verse and I want you to think about what come he on, says. Come on. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19 says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. But look at what he does. He says, if somebody's he, if somebody's brokenhearted, we should heal them. If somebody's in captivity, we should preach deliverance. If somebody is blind, we should help them see their sight. If somebody is bruised, we should give them liberty. But if they are poor, don't miss this. If they are poor, don't miss they this. need the gospel preached to them. If they are poor, he said, don't give them money. Preach the gospel to Preach them. Preach the gospel to them. Why? Because the gospel is the thing that undoes this spirit of poverty that's influenced the life of people that keeps them in poverty. He said, a, a, says, a blind man needs to see. He said, a, a, a lame man needs to walk and a poor man needs the gospel preached to him. A, you need the gospel preached to you. We can do that without blaming you. We, we we can do that without blaming you. Yeah. We don't this have a to great blame question. No, it's a great, question. A great question. We can do we can help you without blaming mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. But here is the reality that everybody has to face in their life, right? Which is do you actually want to live better by your participation or because you believe someone else should rescue you just because you're poor? And I think that that is a huge difference in that. It's like, do you, how many times have we been in a situation where someone needs help, right? And we say, listen, we can show you these principles that will change your life. They're like, no, I just need my light bill paid. The church doesn't owe you that. In fact, let me be honest. Don't nobody owe you that. Not the government, not, not your job. Nobody owes you for you to say, um, for you to be like, I'm not willing to learn the principles. I'm not willing to do anything different. I'm not willing to get a better job, but someone else should use their resources to help me. And I see what she says. She says she's using this. But 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 she, she talked about Luke 6 and 20, but you got to understand the context of Luke 6 and 20, right? Because in Luke 6 and 20, he says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
What does the word bless mean? Empowered, empowered to, to prosper. prosper. He said, all of those of you who are poor, you are empowered to prosper. Why? Because the kingdom belongs to you. And if you're in the kingdom, you won't be poor. You won't be poor in the kingdom. He says, so you may be poor, but blessed are you, empowered are you to prosper. Why? Because you're not within because you're not in this world without hope. You have the kingdom of God. But having the kingdom of God is not the same thing as operating in the kingdom of God. Good, I can give you the keys to my car and say you have my car. But if you refuse to put the key in the ignition and drive to where you need to be, it's like you don't have a car. A person who is poor, who refuses to operate in the principles of the kingdom of God will stay poor, but they don't have to. Why? Because empowered to prosper are they because the kingdom has been made available to them. Here's a good example that we actually see Jesus doing it. We know that Jesus counted the offering. We know that he observed the offering mm -hmm. because that's how he know that the widow only gave a mite. Yep. Why didn't he say to her, ma'am, you're so poor, you don't have to give that. Because he understood that giving was a supernatural way to bring poverty. So even though he knows she is giving what is very little in context but means a lot to her, Jesus doesn't stop her from putting that in the offering basket. Because he understands that if she will operate by these principles, that he will cause her to prosper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He will cause her to prosper. Mm -hmm. Understand this. When God is talking about causing you to prosper, that does not mean someone else is going to dip, dop, drop money in your lot. Right, right. That means he's going to teach you how to participate in the principles of the kingdom. He's going to teach you how to hear the Holy Spirit so you don't have to be in the same situation, mm -hmm. which is why I said contextually. It does not mean you're not a nice person. Just because someone is struggling, it doesn't mean that they're not a nice person. But you can be a nice person and be two things, ignorant of the principles that will change your life yep. or rebelling against the principles that will change mm -hmm. your life. Yep. And as people who did not always tie, yeah. as people who did not always yeah. tie. Because we, we ain't saying that we've always been perfect. These are things we had to learn. We had to learn if we wanted our finances to be protected. We had to participate in these principles, right? And we used to say what people with a poverty mindset mm -hmm. say. We can't afford to tithe. Sure. So we would tithe sometimes. We wouldn't tithe sometimes. We'd give money to somebody else, our cousin who was struggling. And literally, we would end up in these situations. We were the people with chronic lack that no matter what we did, no matter what job you got, we couldn't break through. And the Lord was like, will you prove me? Will you give mm, me a chance mm, to prove that mm, I keep my word? Mm, mm. And many people, and, and I get it. I, I get that poverty is a tough situation. It's a tough situation and it's a tough subject because we all know someone who struggles from mm -hmm. it, right? But, and I don't remember her name. Um, and I don't want to say it wrong. I think it's over uh, the case. Kisha. Kisha. Uh, Kish, Kisha. I appreciate I think it's your a good question. question. I appreciate your question. I think it's a great question. I think many people had it. I'm glad you were bold enough to ask it. I appreciate you even saying that you're open to learn. Here's what I know. I know that growing up in a charismatic church, uh, we were taught a whole lot about about the spirit of God. Right. But we had a whole lot of anointed, powerful people who were poor. We had a whole lot of anointed, powerful people who lived in chronic lack. And, 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 and going from that to word of faith, where everything was about prosperity. Right. Um, and sometimes maybe maybe even in the wrong direction. 
what I like about it is that God has brought us to a balance. Mm -hmm. He's brought us to understand that you need the supernatural power of God. And that yes, there are supernatural powerful principles that we must participate in if we expect them to operate in that in that level of, of natural prosperity. Right. And, and so I appreciate your questions. No, on it's that, a great and question. I, and, I, and I thank you for it. I thank you for it. See, because let, let's just let's stop here because well, we we'll number, let's get to number what, five. No, I, don't then, mean, I don't oh, mean okay, let's, okay. I don't mean let's I don't mean can't go. But listen. A law is something that works whether you recognize it works or not. Yeah. And ignorance of the law. Now, I got a law degree, so I get to talk about something I love. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. Here's a great example. You're driving through a town that you've never been in before. Yep. The speed limit is 50, right? There is a sign where the speed limit goes down to 40, but you miss it. Mm -hmm. So you're still going 50 mm -hmm. and you get pulled over. Mm -hmm. If you say to the police officer, I did not know that the speed limit was now 40, your ignorance of the law does not dismiss he may show mercy on you and mm -hmm. not give you a ticket, mm -hmm. but your ignorance of the law is not an excuse. One of the things that I have found in charismatic churches is that we love to shout about a God we don't know. Mm. We love to run around the room. We love to high five. We love to take prophetic declarations and not participate in them. And so what it leads to is that when we're not seeing what God is saying, it leads to us coming up with our own justifications and our own reasons for why it's the way that it is. But doing that doesn't make us right. So what we've had to do is unlearn a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. We've had to unlearn a lot of stuff because just because it's normal doesn't make its kingdom. Amen. I believe that it is the will of God for every believer to have enough provision to take care of their family and be able to do charitable works. Mm -hmm. I also believe that in order to do that, every believer must be willing to learn what the kingdom says and dismantle the things because poverty is a spirit, but it's also a mindset. Yep. So it's the mindset. So even if we have a service and we cast out the spirit of poverty, right? But you still got a broke mindset. It's a mindset, not a state of mind. It's a mindset. Right. Because you can be in that. But it, So if, if it's a mindset, you can reset the mind. You can reset the mind. You can reset the mind. And we had to do and still have to do a lot of work around resetting our mind. But the question becomes... Am I willing to let God teach me something different? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I think that's great because she said I'm open to something. She new. did. She, she definitely did. So said that. that. She did say so, that. So, again, let's just, re I think we may maybe we'll do number five and then stop and come back next week and do the rest of them. Let's see what you do when we get to number five. Let's okay. See. All right. So, so, so far, here's, let's just recap what we talked about. Here are the signs we've talked about that lets you know whether you have been influenced by the spirit of poverty. Number one, we said that there's a refusal to consistently tithe and to give offerings. Number two, we said that there, you, you recognize chronic, repeated lack in your life. Mm -hmm. Number three, we said you are critical of those who have wealth. And then number four, you repeatedly give away your work or you undercharge. Number five, here's the fifth one. The fifth sign that you are being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Number five, you are easily distracted from doing the right work. That's important. You are easily distracted from doing the right work, not from doing work, but from doing the right work. Let me explain. People who are influenced by the spirit of poverty in this area are usually busy, but they're not productive. They catch themselves uh, 
finding time to be on everybody's Facebook Live, going to every self-help event, going to every conference, but never doing anything with the information they're getting. People who are easily distracted from doing the right work and are influenced by this spirit of poverty, they, they, they always have time to serve in the church, but they don't have time to sit down and listen to what's being taught. Mm, come on. They, they, they have time to run errands for everybody else, but they don't have the time to write the business plan they need for themselves. People who are easily distracted from doing the right kind of work. Now, why is this important? Two scriptures here. The Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 4, in Proverbs 10 and 4, it says slackers will know what it means to be poor while the hard worker becomes wealthy. Now, some people say, well, I'm not a slacker. I do a lot of stuff. But is it the right stuff? Is it the right stuff? If God told you this week, I need you to spend an hour a day planning out your next event and you spend all the time learning about events but not planning the event, you haven't done the right work. So a lot of times people find themselves being busy, but not productive. And then Proverbs 28 and 19, which is one of my favorite scriptures. You love that scripture. I love Proverbs 28 and 19. It says, he that tilleth his own land. In other words, he that works his own land. And remember, we said land is whatever area God's called you to. He says, so he who works his own land or whatever area God has called you to, he shall have plenty of bread. Now, what do we call, what's another word for money? Bread. bread. <laughs> he said, you will have plenty of bread or plenty of resources. It says, but he that followeth after, watch this, vain persons, one translation says Pursuit. of vain pursuits. Yeah. One says persons, one says pursuits, shall have, watch this, much Poverty, man. That's ooh. He says, if you will work the thing I've told you to work, it's gonna lead to you having much bread. But if you find your time following after vain persons or vain pursuits, he says, then you're gonna have much poverty. You want to add to that while I restart uh, Instagram? That's been an hour. I think that this is so good because as a a, a business strategist who is trying to help other women build six-figure businesses. In fact, a good example is that I was talking to someone the other day and they um, they sell cookies. And um, the, well, their business is selling cookies. And I said to them, you do everything but sell cookies. You plan the menu. You've made the designs. You know how you're going to package them. But you, you, you go to another class. You hire another coach. You have done everything but actually sell the cookies. My God. You've done everything but sell the Y'all need to share this video. There are some people who need to hear what we're saying. They need to hear the conversation we had with Keisha. They need to hear the questions. They need to see the questions. You need to share this video. This is going to bless somebody. You, you don't know who you're going to bless, but share this video. We almost had 100. Share, share, share if you haven't shared. Well, well think about it. You work at a job and you know that job doesn't pay enough money. 
and the Lord has been impressing on you, your supervisor has tried to talk to you about getting another certification, your friend has told you that you need to work on your resume, and you do work hard when you're at work, but when you come home, you don't look at that resume, you won't hire someone to do your resume, you won't take the certification because it's going to require you to have to put in some extra work, you're scared to learn something. You better so work that land. So yes, you're busy. Yes, you're busy. You're busy, but are you but productive? You, but you follow in vain pursuits. Mm. And we've all been in that situation sure. because some of it is this, it's the fear, it's the deception. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fear yeah. and the deception. So I'm afraid, and I'll just tell on myself, I used to, I used to strict, my business used to be strictly one-on-one -on -one coaching. And when the Lord began to talk to me about building a model where I could serve more people, mm -hmm. right? That meant I had to get away from one-on-one -on -one coaching mm -hmm. and I had to learn how to use platforms so I could do classes and different stuff like mm -hmm. that. Well, let me just be honest with you. God would say to me, hey, Sean, you need to understand this platform. Or I would work with a coach and they would say, you need to know how to do these things right here, right? And then somebody would reach out to me and they would want to hire me as a coach. Now, the Lord had already told me that I wasn't supposed to take any more clients because I needed my extra time work needed to be going here, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth of it is, I knew I was good at one-on-one -on -one coaching. It was easier. It was easier. It was easier to go back to your comfort level than yes. to do what God said. Yes, it was. It was easier to hop on the phone with somebody, literally because I had gotten to the point that I knew I could ask the questions while I was walking through Walmart if I needed to, right? And so now God is asking me to go into a space and to stretch out and to learn yeah. how to do something that I don't, I feel uncomfortable. And because we don't like pain, which is why it's important to understand how your soul works, yeah. because we don't like pain, we will go back to the comfort zone, even if the comfort zone is destroying us. Now, here's the important thing had I not made that shift and did the things that God told me to do in our my business I would probably be very stressed out in this 2020 oh, yeah, pandemic absolutely because all of my speaking engagements got canceled or have a whole lot of free time Oh. Because, because everything you were doing prior to would it, like, would dry up had dried up because God was transitioning you to a new way of doing things. And so I think that's a that's a that's a good thing. We're is that thinking about this that when God last week we talked about how we don't know the way mm -hmm. in Isaiah forty eight and seventeen God says He wants to teach you how to profit right. And so when we're learning to think a different way, you know, maybe you heard money doesn't grow on trees or you should be satisfied with what you have. All these things that God didn't actually mm -hmm. say. Right. Then you have to decide, am I willing to learn something different? And you're not going to undo 20 years of poverty thinking in one message. You just not. But you it, can listen to this one over and over again. I'm yes, telling you, it'll tear down yes, some stronghold, though. Yes. It'll start to tear some things down. It'll make you rethink. You can do some Romans 12 and 2, start to renew your mind. I am telling you, even if we won't get to all of these today, maybe we'll get to number six because I think it ties into what you were just talking about. We can stop there and come back next week and maybe share the rest of them. But these first six steps, if you just do half of them this week, it'll start to change your mindset. So I love this. We're going to end with number six for today. Number six. This this go. Hold your breath. This go. This go steam. This go steam. Blaming others for your financial state. Mm. Blaming others for your financial state. Mm. And I'm going to talk. I want you to hear me. I know that as an African-American woman that we are paid less in the marketplace. Yep. I know that there have been disadvantages towards us 
at pe women, people of color, yep. based on education, all of these yep. ways that the enemy has tried to hold us back. Yep. But I cannot hold on to those things and at the same time say that God is my source. Yep. I have to believe that even if there is a system in place that is designed to oppress me, that God can work this for my good. You better, you better now, tell. Now, I, I know, gotta, I, I gotta I, decide which one is the I've truth. I've gotta decide it's which more, one is. <laughs> no. So, is it factual fact that women are that black women are paid less? One hundred percent factual. Is it factual that there are games that people of color have to play in the marketplace that other people don't have to play? One hundred percent factual. It's factual. But the truth is that God is my source. Yes, He is which El Elyon. The God that even when you try to plot and plan and keep me bound. You cannot keep me bound unless I believe you have the power to keep me bound. And I'm going to give you just enough. I mean, this oh, is just, this that's just how the Lord talks that's to me. That's a whole sermon. I was having this whole conversation because my work is primarily about shifting black women, right? And I was fussing one day talking to the Lord about how many things are against us and how did he expect me to help these people when we got systems against us, all of this different stuff. And the Lord said, this sent me right here. He said, Madam C.J. Walker. Yeah. He said, Sean. Madam C.J. Walker became a millionaire when a white when a black woman could be killed for looking at a white person the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Do not tell me it cannot be done. You believe it cannot be done because you are looking at something other than me. Stop blaming others for your current financial state and take responsibility. And when I say take responsibility, we're not denying all those things you just yes. named. What the responsibility we're taking is that we serve a God who can get us out of any current situation we find ourselves in. So let's use some more practical examples. Okay. So one, here's an example. You let your sister borrow money. Yep. You told your sister you had to have the money back on the 13th to pay your light bill. But prior to that, God had told you don't borrow money. Don't let her borrow, right. Or don't let anybody borrow, borrow money, money that you need. Don't let the Lord and already told you. And if you say the Lord has never told me that it's in Proverbs, right. it's in Proverbs that you should not allow people to borrow money that you need, nor should you co-sign for people. And here's how you know you need it. If they can't pay you back, do you need it? If they can't pay you back and now it puts you in a bad financial state, you can't let somebody borrow your you can't somebody's light bill can't be, be due and you let them borrow money for the light bill when if they don't pay you back, you can't pay your rent. You don't have the money. So you let her borrow. Mm -hmm. And then she don't pay you back on the 13th. Yep. And you blame her yep. for your lights being cut off, but you never address why you gave her money that you knew you couldn't afford to give her. Especially. So you're blaming someone else for your response your situation. Yes. Let, let me let me keep going. You talk about what your mama didn't teach you. Yep. But you 48 now. What's stopping you from reading You now? got Google. You got every you book. You got YouTube. Every book is on the internet. You got to stop blaming your mama and your daddy. You, they did, and the, the fact of the matter, if they didn't teach, it's probably because they didn't know it. Right. You know, you talk about what the church. You talk about how the church hustled you out of your, of your seed. No one can be hustled who's listening to the Holy Spirit. I tell people all the time, if I obey God, I cannot be hustled. I cannot be hustled. Somebody type that in the comment section. If I obey God, I cannot be hustled. You can't hustle me out of money. You can't hustle me out of time. You can't hustle me out of resources. If God tells me to do it and I do it, if God tells me to give you $100 and I give you $100 and I watch you set it on fire, it has zero to do with me. 
My obedience is to God, not what you do or whatever I give you after I give it to you. And if God tells me not to give it to you, it don't matter who you are. I am disobedient when I choose to do what God has told me not to do, which is why we talked about how it's important to obey God. Amen. People are willing to work for money, but they're not willing to learn for money. Wow. Many, many people. Did you wait, hear wait, what say I that said? Again. You're willing to, to work, work for, for money, money, but you're not willing to learn but for not money. Learn for it. So you will give your whole day, 40, 50 hours a week to get to get paid. That's not enough. But you say, I can't learn the stock market. You won't give yourself an hour a day for a week, seven hours to learn for money. To learn for money. Not for, to learn for, for money. For money. For money. My God. So you are willing to work for money, but you are not willing to put money to work for you. My God. So you, God has talked to you about you should own real estate property, but you haven't read a book. You won't take a class. And in fact, when you see one of those ads that come up about how you can get property for um zero, zero down, then you're upset because they want to charge you $97 for the information. Because even though you won't read the books, you think someone else should give you the information for free. Mm. You are willing to work for money, but you are not willing to learn for money. They're typing that in the comments. Says, I agree with y'all. We didn't tell y'all to type that, but they know they type in there. I am willing to learn for money. I am willing to learn for money. Me too. So if if I, listen, we're not going to do these other ones. We're going to come back. But let me tell you something that we have learned. Success leaves clues. Yes, it does. That's why in your environment matters. When Edwin and I decided we wanted to turn our marriage around, the first thing we did was we got rid of everybody in our space who didn't value marriage. Yep. And we went in search. You hear me? In search of intentionally in search for people who were doing marriage well or at least better than we were doing. And here's the thing. When we made that decision, we went in search, but it wasn't hard. God just had them start showing up. Well, because once, we start, once we start looking, he just started having them show up because he knew what we needed. And once we made the decision that that's what we needed to do, our eyes and our focus changed from all of our friends who was, who was unhappily married to now we see these other people who are happily married. If you get your mind on Christ... He will take it off of all of the poverty thinking if you do these things and you'll start seeing opportunity for prosperity everywhere. Um, you might we, we went to Dallas one time. I remember that. We went to Dallas one time and we had some some people that we knew. They weren't really friends. But we felt like we should call them while we were in Dallas. And there were uh, some other married couples that went with us. And this married couple invited us to their house. And yep. they lived in, you know, they didn't live close in Dallas. We had to drive about an hour to get they to their lived, house. They lived down in South Lake. They did, yep. lived in South Lake. And when we got there, they had all of these other married couples, right? We intended to go back and hook up with our other friends, right? But as we were watching them, they, they all the married couples were older than us. And they invited us to stay, to eat dinner with them because we just went down there to say hi and to get on back but they invited us we were going to kick it with our other friends we was going to <laughs> kick it with our other friends and those young those married couples began to share their wisdom with us they literally taught us a principle we had to drive for it yeah we had to turn down some th some things that some we fun. were some fun with yeah. our peers but they literally taught us a principle that probably saved our marriage yeah. when they taught us to, help, yeah. to work on out serving each yeah. other right yeah. And I think that it is so important that you understand success leaves clues. Um, Doc Hillier teaches this. If you're going to walk in any truth, you need five things. Mm -hmm. You need a revelation. Yep. You need a role model. Mm -hmm. You need a 
regimen of faith. Mm -hmm. You need, oh, no, four things. Four, it's four things. things. You need four things. You need a role model, a revelation, a role model, a regimen of faith, and a righteous resolve. Mm -hmm. So success leaves clues. So when I find someone who is succeeding in the area that I want to succeed in, I sit my behind down and become a student. A learner. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with y'all. Many of you are students of foolishness, but you are not students of the principles of wisdom that would change mm. your finances. Mm. And that is because the spirit of poverty lulls you into sleep and makes you think that it is normal. And then you're frustrated because you can't break through to another level. But that breakthrough comes from the hours that you spend. There's so much information that seemed foreign to us when we first started. Yeah. Just like the word. Yeah. It seems foreign to you when you first start. But the more time you spend with it, it changes your life. So we're going to stop here. Listen, you do not want to miss next week. You want to come back. You want to be a part of this. You want to tell your friends about it this week. Y'all know how we do. We'll recap a little bit of this next week, but then we're going to get into point number seven, number eight, number nine, number 10, and number 11. I'm telling you, this is only half the story. I am telling you, we are sharing things with you that has blessed our life. Recap real quick. Number one, here's what we said. Here's a sign that you're being influenced by the spirit of poverty. Number one, a refusal to consistently tithe and give offerings. You can change that today. Number two, chronic lack. Number three, you are critical of those who have wealth. Number four, you repeatedly give away your work or you undercharge for your value. Number five, you are easily distracted from doing the right kind of work. You are busy, but you are not productive. And then number six, you always seem to be blaming other people for your current financial state. Listen, those are the six signs that we share today. I'm telling you, this has been a blessing to me. Even hearing them again is a blessing to me. I make sure that when I'm hearing this, I'm like, all right, Ed, well, you got to make sure you ain't got no, uh, no, no areas that you're still doing this in, right? Because the enemy's always looking for a door to come back in, right? And so we got to make sure that we're doing that. So listen, those of you that are out there, Thank you for the shares. Uh, I didn't refresh my page. I think the last time I looked, we were close to 90. Listen, if you haven't shared this, share it. If you haven't given hearts, give some hearts. If you haven't given some likes, give some likes. If you haven't liked the page, like the page. You know, the actual thing, if you're watching it where it says like, I think we got 61 right now. Click like or love on that. Listen, let's get these analytics up so that more and more people get blessed by this. Check in the FOC if you haven't. And listen, right now is your opportunity for prosperity. It is your opportunity to sow. Listen, if you don't have a church home, make FOC your church home. We would love to have you to be a virtual partner. You say, well, I live in Utah. I live in Arizona. I live in Connecticut. It's okay. We're virtual. Church has changed. Church has radically changed. You can be a partner with Fellowship of Champions Church virtually. You can go to www. Uh, I think it's focchurch.com slash uh, money symbol, the, the, a pound sign connection. Somebody will put that in the group, send us a link and say, hey, yes, I want to be a virtual partner. And then you want to commit to being a tither. Fellowship of Champions Partners, you know our commitment here at Fellowship of Champions. We don't ask anybody to do anything for us that we're not willing to do first. So commit to being a tither. 
We have multiple ways you can tithe. We have multiple ways you can give. If this message today has challenged you or blessed you, we encourage you to sow a seed. You can do it multiple ways. You can give through push pay, which the link is there in the comment section. I think it's pinned down at the bottom, along with the link to Giblify, along with the link to Tidally. And my wife's special one, she loves text to give. You can text that number and decide what you want to give. And on all of those, you can set up recurring giving. If you say, you know what, Fellowship of Champions is my home. I tithe once a month. I tithe every two weeks. So I tithe weekly. You can go in the system. You can set it up, make it recurring. I do mine. I call it click it and forget it. I click it and forget it. Why? Because I know that whether I'm available to attend or not to attend, whether I'm preaching or not preaching, my seed's in the ground. And and, and seed in the ground is what produces a harvest, not seed on the shelf. Amen? Amen. So I encourage you to do that if you haven't. Uh, Pastor, you want to say anything before we go? I want to do something that I haven't, we don't typically do on Sunday mornings, but I put a question up. I'm about to put it up. Chris, Clarissa, y'all go tag it because I want people to be able to see it in the analytics. No, I'm I'm creating a separate post and it says, what is your biggest takeaway from today's teaching? So what I would like everybody to do, I'm going to put it on the page. Like right now. So just just so you know, it's going to come on the actual page. So it's not in this story. Not in in the comment section, on the actual FOC page. That's why I just sent Chris and Clarissa and I said, go comment under it so that people can see it. So the question is, what is your biggest takeaway from today? I'm asking everybody before you get up from your spot. Go to that post and let us know. Because can they also ask a question if they have a question? You can ask a question so if tell you have us a your question. Takeaway, but if you got a question, you know, like again, I I, I don't want to say her name wrong. Is it Keisha? Uh, it looks like Keisha, but it Keisha, might be Keisha. Uh, whoever asked that question, I appreciate that. So if there are other other questions that you may have, you say, hey, I like the teaching, or you didn't like the teaching. What about X? Listen, if you can't defend the gospel you preach, you shouldn't be preaching. Amen. So we are not offended by questions at all and hope you aren't offended by our answers. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, if you can't defend the gospel, you ought not be teaching the gospel. So if you got questions, ask those questions. So we're putting this question up here, but here's what I'm thinking about doing, because, you know, I'm going to kind of build a plane as we fly, girl. So we're going to come back and teach this next week. But then what I would like to do, not on a Sunday morning, I would like to do a Zoom so we can see people mm. that they can sign up for, for free. For free. Come to the Zoom and let's kind of talk oh, through some fun. of this that'd stuff. that'd be good. That would be fun. So that's what I want to do. People could just ask those questions. They could ask those you know, questions. And here's the thing about Pastor Now, if you ask a question and we don't know, we'll t- we ain't going to just make it up. We'll say, well, you know, I'm not sure. I need to go back and research that. But here's what I do know. We know what we do know. We know what we do know. <laughs> and, and, and we try to stick with that. You ain't never heard me teach preach a, a message about the seven seals over there in Revelation. I, I don't I don't teach a lot about that because I don't know a whole lot about that. So I stick with what I know. And so, so let me see. I'm going to get a couple people. Ralph, Kenosha, Santrice, and any of our regular people, go and find this question and let's get some comments on it. Because sometimes when you post like that, yeah. it's different than on a regular Facebook page. It's hard for people to find it. So go. And if you know somebody else who was on the on you can, tag you, them. You can actually pin that to the top of the page. Wherever that question is, you can actually pin that to the top of the page so that uh, right there, pin top of page. So we're going to pin so it to the top of the page so that you can see. First thing they see. Here's what we want to do. We want to go. We want to come back and teach this next week. This is going to be great. Y'all want to come back for next week. And then we want to schedule a Zoom. A free Zoom. A free Zoom. Ain't going to cost you nothing but time. But You, you said go, you, would, you, you would learn for money. 
Yes. (laughs) And then we're going to go on a Zoom because we we could do some spot coaching where somebody says, I'm stuck in this place. What should I do? Thank you, Kenosha. So that's what we want to do. We want to see you. Listen, I believe that financial prosperity is important for two reasons. One, it allows me to be able to take care of my family. But number two, it allows me to be able to be God's hands in the earth. I can't do that if I'm broke. I can't help you pay your light bill if I can't pay mine. Mm -hmm. I can't help your kid go to college if I can't keep my kid in college, right? And so I believe that we should go after what God has for us. And we don't have to be consumed by it. We just need to understand this. Money is just a tool. Mm -hmm. It's a bad master, but it's a great tool. tool. So go to the post. And give us your comments. We'll be monitoring them. We'll engage with you. We'll come back next week. We'll talk about the last five. What? Well, yeah, five we have. And then we're going to schedule a Zoom because I want to see your faces as we do some work through this I want to hear the questions. To me, questions help bring revelation because I know that sometimes people have the same question or they may be thinking it a little differently. And when people can ask that question, not only do we get the answer, but there's other revelation in the room too. Yes. You know, yes. now we'll, we'll, we'll govern those, but people can, I mean, it's kind of like our marriage essentials. I love when we do marriage essentials because it's not just us sharing, it becomes community learning, right? Yes. Yes. And so I think your, your Zoom idea is a wonderful idea after we finish this teaching. And it's funny because somebody said, I got these, but I got more. Because literally, even though we did these, as I got these, I thought, oh, I could see how we could add more and more, which is why we said it wasn't a comprehensive right, list. Right. It's a starting point. It, and it, it's really the ones that, and to be honest, let's just, I mean, let's be clear, it's really the ones we had to overcome. Yes. But some other people may say, well, this is what I had to overcome. Boom, that's another one. It may help somebody who, who they weren't struggling with any of these 11, but that other one somebody else mentioned may be the one that sets them free. And we're all about people being free. We're all about that. So we love you guys. We hope you have an amazing week. Please help us out. Respond on the question. Please share the video. Share, share, share. We thank you guys. We want to hear from you. If you got questions, we want to hear from that. And, and, and I, I do want to say this. You know, Pastor Edwin and I, we both have a pretty strong personality, yep. right? So if you ever ask a question and it feels like our tone is really strong, that is really passion. We're not mad at you because not you ask all. a question. We're not, we, we not mad at you. If you came to our house, you would see that this is how everybody in our house acts. This is how we act when we just sitting around with our kids. So, so I, I get that if you didn't grow up with people who do that, that and, you're, and I'm glad you said that, it can come off as like, whoa, they kind of raised up. No, we're not raising up, but we, we, when people ask questions, it's an opportunity to bring freedom. And we get so excited about the opportunity to bring freedom, and, and we so know what we know about certain subjects, it just, you get passionate about it. So, yes, yes. Yeah, so we love everybody. We ain't got no issues with questions. Again, I've said it before, uh, a gospel you can't defend is not a gospel you should be preaching. So we can, we can certainly handle any questions you may have. All right, so please go and comment. We love you. Have a great week. And we speak um, an awareness over you this week. Yes. That even places where you might not have known that the spirit of poverty was trying to influence you, that your eyes would be illuminated and you would begin to close the door on those things in Jesus' name. Sow your seeds. Sow your seeds. Remember, we sow for all grace with expectation. It is our expectation. You you guys have been such a blessing to the community because we have been able to bless so many people because because there's meat in the house. Even this past week. Because there's meat in the house. All right. So we love you. Have a great day. And we will see you next Sunday. God bless y'all. God bless you. you.